Happy Sabbath. As we start this morning, I have a couple of announcements before I uh, start. And that is, number one, we have Men of God Conference this afternoon. Um, it's our fifth, I don't remember actually, it's been a while, fifth or sixth, is it fifth or sixth? Fifth annual Men of God Conference. Um, we invite every one of you, if you can come and join us, we have a very special speaker, um, Pastor Ken Curtis from Calamaser Church. So please join us this afternoon. The second announcement is um, we have, uh, we're still going on with our church building fund. The, the, the fundraiser is still going on. Now you can um, download the, the, um, the, the pledge from our website. You can put it in our offering basket or you can just directly email it to our treasurer. All the information you need, it's in the uh, announcement, the, in the bulletin, and um, you can read it and any information you need, it's all provided there. Um, have you seen this AT&T commercial where a man sits in a circle with a bunch of little kids and he's asking some questions and the kids are answering back and um, the, 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 there's a little girl who, who, who responds back but it's kind of illogical, it's kind of incoherent. You can't really say, you can't really understand what, what she's saying but um, it's kind of funny because it's a really simple question. Um, why don't you watch this um, commercial? It's on YouTube. Go ahead, please. Play. It's not children's story time. Can you start from the beginning, please? You might want to have some more in your It's only 37. There you go. You're paying, you ready? Who thinks more is better than less? Okay, why? More is better than less because if stuff is not less, if there's more less stuff, then you might, you might want to have some more and your parents just don't let you because there's only a little bit. Right. We want more. We want more. Like, you really like it. You right. want more. I follow you. It's not complicated. More is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Thank you. So, I didn't really quite understand her, her logic. Did you guys understand what she was saying? Anyone? The little girl was trying to say something, but, you know, but th- th- here's the thing. Nonetheless, the point here is quite clear. Um, this is not a rocket science, okay? It's no brainer. Uh, the answer is quite easy. Even the children know the answer. It's not complicated. More is better. It's not complicated. More is better than less. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath, Lord. Now, as we open the Bible, Open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. Is that correct? Is it true? More is better? Life is not complicated, right? Just get as much as you can because more is better than less. We are in a series on Elijah. And today, we're, gonna, we're going to study chapter 21. And some of you may ask, uh, Pastor, why are you skipping chapter 20? 
Well, we're going to skip chapter 20, and we're going to also skip chapter 21 and 22. We're going to also skip 2 Kings chapter 1. You know why? It's because chapter 20, there is an unnamed prophet. Bible kind of refers him as a man of God. Okay? I mean, that could be Elijah, but usually throughout all the chapters, we called Elijah, Elijah. So for some reason, Bible refers him as Man of God and not Elijah. So it seems to be that it was somebody else. Okay? And if you look at well, today, 21st, chapter 21, and we're going to explore this, this man named Naboth. And then next, well, the next chapter is chapter 22. And chapter 22 is about a prophet named Micaiah. Okay? Micaiah was a prophet during Elijah's time, but he actually stayed faithful to God. Okay? And then after that, 2 Kings chapter 1, there's a captain of a company of soldiers who, who, who come to get Elijah. And what happens is that this third captain, he actually shows respect for the man of God, Elijah. And I was wondering, why, why, why is the Bible like this? Why, why in the middle of this Elijah story, we have all these people? And all of a sudden, it kind of made sense. Because at the end of last week, if you remember, Elijah was depressed because he thought, I'm the only one. Nobody follows God, and I'm the only one. I'm all alone. And God said what? Uh, Elijah, you're not alone. I've reserved 7,000 people who did not bow down to Baal. And then what happens is, just when we thought that there was a drought of God's men, men of God, during Elijah's time, the writer of the Bible kind of shows like, here is a man of God who's not Elijah, and there's Micaiah, and there's Naboth, and all these people. There's this, this a captain, army captain, who stayed faithful to God, showing that just when we thought there was nobody else, when Elijah thought he was all alone following God, when God said, I've reserved 7,000 people, and these are the people who did not bow down to Baal and who stayed faithful to God. So the Bible kind of gives a story of these people. Anyway, um, among these stories, we're going to look at this particular story about Naboth. Um, Let's, let's, let's take a look at today's chapter. Um, I'm not going to go to verses today. I'm just going to go all over. So you can look at that or you can just follow along with me because it's going to be kind of crazy. But we're going to go, we're going to stick to the story, okay? First Kings chapter 21, verse 1. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel. Close to, the place, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Verse 2, Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I'll give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. It's not complicated. More is better. That's what Ahab thought. 
He had everything. He was the king of Israel. But he looked at his neighbor's vineyard and thought, hmm, that's a very nice piece of property. You know what I should do with it? I should get that vineyard and turn it into my vegetable garden. I can make Santa Fe salad. I can make bibimbap with all kinds of vegetables. It'll be right next to my house. It'll be really convenient. I'm going to go get it. So he walks to his neighborhood, his neighbor, neighbor, and says, Hey, let me buy your property, whatever you want. I'm going to give you cash for it. Or, if you want, I can get you a better vineyard in another location. So he made a reasonable offer. But the response Ahab received from his neighbor Naboth was not what he expected at all. His neighbor refused to accept the offer. It wasn't that Naboth simply didn't want to sell it. It was not like he didn't want to move somewhere else because I like it here. It wasn't like that at all. And he definitely was not trying to leverage himself to get better price. Naboth was not just asserting his free market rights, uh, saying, this is my property and I'm free to do whatever I want to do with it. No. There was something bigger at work here. There was a specific reason why he could not, he could not sell his vineyard. Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. You see, Naboth was prohibited by God from selling his property. I mean, technically, Naboth could have sold it, just not permanently, okay? After 49 years, there would be a year of jubilee, and then all the land would return to their original owners, okay? But it seemed that Ahab wanted to own this land, and that would be a violation of God's command or God's commandment, okay? So here's a little bit of background story of Israelites. When, the, when God led the Israelites into the promised land, God marked out all land, okay, the entire property um, as the inheritance of God's people, the Israelites, okay? And this special land would be used for God and His glory to live. We call it holy land because it's a land that is set apart for God's people. It would be a special place for God to dwell with his people. It wasn't just some piece of land. It wasn't just my land or my property. It was a special place that God has set apart, a special dwelling place. So when they came into promised land, God marked out all these different places and they were divided among the different tribes and different clans. And this piece of property fell into the family of Naboth. And Naboth, understanding that this property is not just my property, it's a God's dwelling place. That's how Naboth took it. 
Do you see why the story of Naboth was recorded in the Bible? He is one of the 7,000 that God has reserved. Naboth wanted to stay faithful to God. The Israelites were, were, were brought to the promised land and received their property as inheritance from God for God's presence to dwell, for God's people to serve him. Loma Linda Church, what would happen if we treated our property and our possessions as Naboth treated his vineyard? What if all that I have, all that I possess, I look at it as this is not mine, but this is for God's glory? Can you imagine if everything we owned and possessed were used for God's presence in our lives and used to serve God? What if everything we have, we treat it like an inheritance from God and just use them for His glory and for His service? That is what Naboth did. He had to stand against his own king to do it. That was Naboth, a man of God. Now, look how Ahab deals with this. Verse 4. So Ahab went home, sullen and vexed. I am actually using NASB, New American Standard Version Bible, okay? I, I love that. Sullen and vexed. Because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay, Ahab, he lay on his bed, sulking, and refused to eat. Here are some SAT words for you, high school kids, okay? Sullen and vexed. Sullen means sad and pouty. Vexed means angry and displeased. And what did he do? He refused to eat, acting like a child. You know what I mean? I'm upset. I'm not going to eat. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? For the record, when I was a child, I never did that. I always ate my meals. <laughs> then guess who shows up? His wife, Jezebel. She asked, Why are you so sullen? Why aren't you eating? And Ahab answered, because uh, my neighbor, Naboth, I told him that I wanted to buy his vineyard and, and I wanted to turn it into a vegetable garden. I told him I would give him money or I can give him a better vineyard, but he said no. He said no to me. You know what Jezebel said to Ahab when he threw a fit like that? Jezebel said, Are you the king? Seriously? Are you the king? Should a king behave like this? This is the only part that I actually liked about Jezebel, what she said to Ahab here. And then what happens next, you realize this woman is evil. Okay? Then she said, get up and eat. I'll take care of Naboth. 
Then Jezebel designs an evil plot. You may have heard this story before, okay? But what happens is she sent letters to all of the elders and nobles of the city of Jezreel with the seal of the king on these letters. In the letters, she wrote, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people and seat two worthless men. By worthless men, it actually means Put two fools, meaning two, put two idiots right next to him, okay? And let them testify against him, saying, You, Naboth, cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him. Then they had a fest. They invited all of the elders and nobles, including Naboth, There two men accused Naboth of cursing God and cursing the king. Then all of them took him out of the party and then they stoned him to death. You know how they used to stone people to death in Israel? They would dig a hole, okay, and bury the person in there up to their neck. And then they would gather around and take rocks and just throw rocks at their head. That's how they used to do stoning. Nobody spoke, nobody spoke up for him, okay? Nobody said, hey, where is justice? Let Naboth defend himself. Nobody said, we need to investigate these accusations. Nobody, nobody helped him. You know Why? Because everyone was in on it. Everyone was in on it. They set Naboth up and murdered him. King Ahab and Jezebel doing what they do best, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Ahab and Jezebel coveted Naboth Naboth's vineyard, they coveted their, his, 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 his vineyard, they lied, and they murdered him, and they stole their property. Man, how many commandments did they break right, did they break right there? Doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then Elijah shows up. You know, Elijah kind of shows up at the end of the story in this chapter, and he has a message from God for Ahab and Jezebel that God sent him to tell Ahab and Jezebel that they have sinned, and God said, enough is enough, no more. And the next chapter, actually, Ahab and Jezebel, they die. It's a terrible story. Um, I don't know if you ever have ever heard of it before but here's an interesting part i want to revisit the phrase sullen and vexed okay sullen and vexed sullen like i said before means sad and pouty it's when your lips come out when you're upset like mm. when your lips come out okay that's sullen vexed 
is when you're angry and displeased. This is when your, uh, your eyebrows frown. You're like, mm. you know what I'm saying? So when you're sullen and vexed, your eyes frown and your lips come out and you're pouty and displeased, you're upset. Okay? Loma Linda Church, can you, can you relate to Ahab? Do you guys ever get sullen and vexed? Some of you people, kids, you sit down at the dinner table. This is what we're eating for dinner. <laughs> Have you ever wanted something so badly? Like, um, like a car or a, or a house? Um, you know that they tell you that you cannot get attached to the car that you're going to buy or the house you're going to buy. Because if, if you get attached to it, then you can't really get a good deal, right? But then you go to the car and you're like, that's a perfect car, that's the, that's the color I want, and you've already imagined all the trips you're going to take in the car. You know what I mean? Or you go to a house and you're like, oh, this is the house I want. And agent tells you, do not get attached to that house, okay? But you go there, and you've already imagined how your grandkids will play in that house. You know what I mean? You already know what you're going to do with the backyard. And then, when you try to buy it, you don't get to buy it. You lose it. Or, sometimes, you realize that this is kind of out of my price range, but you are so willing to stretch thin to get that car or to get that house. Does that sound familiar? In the end, in the end, you do whatever it takes to get it or if you cannot get it, then we get upset. Well, when you get upset because you didn't get what you wanted, does that ruin your day or does that ruin your week? There's this one, one woman or one man that like, oh, that's going to be my husband. That's going to be my wife. But oh, somebody else already took that person. Does that ruin your day? Does it ruin your week? Does it ruin your month? Do you ever get sullen and vexed? Or do you say, oh well, and you get over it? This whole thing, if you think about it, this whole tragedy began from Ahab feeling sullen and vexed. Not just feeling, Ahab actually being sullen and vexed. But I think normal in the church, it's not just Ahab. When things don't go your way, what do you do? When things don't go your way, what do you do? If everyone saw my way and, and agree, um, it'll be great, right? We'll have no problem at church if everyone just agree with my brilliant plan. In this church, everything, just, just go with it, okay? Then everything's going to be perfect, right? But it never happens that way, Right? If everyone just listens to me, everything will be all right. But it does not happen like that, does it? We have these things that are just out of my reach, like out of reach. 
Like you really want it, but you just cannot have it. How do you feel then? Um, maybe it's not just a property. Maybe it's a business deal. Maybe it's a career plan. Maybe it's a romantic relationship. It's always difficult when only one person sees the brilliant plan you have for that romantic relationship. It never works out, does it? Whatever it is, sometimes our hearts get stuck on something, something like we can't have or we shouldn't have. We get sick to our stomach about it, and, and we cannot, listen to this, little more in the church, we cannot let it go. Some people are able to go, oh, well, and they move on, but some people just cannot let it go. We get sullen and vexed. We become upset and we become displeased. Do you know what happened to Amnon? I don't know if you remember Amnon's story. Amnon loved Tamar and he loved her so much that he became ill, Bible says. And then he makes this whole plot what to do with Tamar and what happens in the church. I can't even talk about this because of children here. It's really dark and it's so sad. It is actually very, very ugly. Amnon was sullen and vexed just like Ahab. Well, how about us? Do you ever get sullen and vexed like Ahab? Do you, Loma in the church? By the way, this phrase, sullen and vexed, is my, becoming my favorite phrase. I'm going to use it. My kids, like, they want something. I'm like, no. They're like, why? I'll be like, do you feel vexed and sullen? You can't have that. You can't have that phone. Why not? Why do you feel sullen and vexed? Oh, man, I love this phrase. Loma Linda Church, we need to look at ourselves today and ask ourselves if we ever look like Amnon or Ahab. When this happens, one thing is out of your control, and that is whether you receive the thing you want or not. But one thing remains in your control, and that is whether or not you turn yourself into King Ahab or not. You get to decide whether you get sullen and vexed or not, okay? The situation is what it is. That's out of your hand. That is out of your control. But you get to decide whether you turn into King Ahab or not. Lomal in the church. Look at, look at the previous chapter, okay? Well, you don't have to. I'll just tell you what happens. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 20, something happened between King Ben-Hadid and um, King Ahab, and then there was something going on, and then the, the prophet tells the, tells the king Ahab to go home, and in verse, three is, uh, verse 43, this is what it says. So the king of Israel, Ahab, went to his house sullen and vexed and came to Samaria. 
So verse 4 wasn't the only place that says he was sullen and vexed. The chapter before says that King Ahab got sullen and vexed before too. You know what this tells me? This was a habit of Ahab's when things didn't go his way. Being sullen and vexed must have something Ahab did all his life and it stuck with him. Some bad habits are detrimental to our lives. Inability to let go things you have not control of when you become sullen and vexed over the things that are out of my reach, out of my control, can bear terrible consequences in life. The evil plot came out of being sullen and vexed. It gave birth to deceit, murder, and steal. If you look at verse 20, I'm going to read verse 20 for you. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And actually it happens again in verse 25. Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. So what happens is in two occasions, the Bible says, Ahab sold his... Is it going out of battery now? Check. Ahab sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Two different times. I know so far in the series of Elijah, we have been focusing on how we can... We've been focusing on how we can be like Elijah, a man of God or a woman of God, okay? Today, we learn how we should not be like Ahab, a man who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. It's very interesting because here's the biggest problem of King Ahab, okay? The Bible says twice, sold himself, okay? He sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. The Hebrew word that is translated sold himself has a remarkable meaning. Interestingly, sold himself can mean to marry. Elijah is pretty much saying that you, Ahab, sold yourself to the evil. What he was saying was, you, Ahab, married the devil. He had married himself to the dark realm of evil. Now, here's an interesting part of this. I know Roman in the church, none of you guys are like, Pastor Richard, thank you, but no thank you, because, you know what, I don't really consider myself as somebody who sold myself or married the devil, okay? I didn't kill anybody, I didn't really steal, well, not that much, okay? And I definitely have not murdered anybody, So you can preach that to somebody else. 
Let me tell you what I found this week from this chapter, you guys. Everyone, listen to this. I know maybe some of you guys are so good at moving on and letting it go. You don't need to hear about this sermon about being sullen and vexed. But here is what I found, okay? For those who have read the entire chapter uh, 21, I don't know if you caught this. I don't know if you noticed this, but check this out. The word arise, okay? The word arise occurred twice in this chapter. It's so funny how the same phrases like occur twice in this chapter. Here's what I have. The first one is verse 7. Verse 7. Chapter 21, verse 7 says this. Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be joyful. I will give you, I'll give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Jezebel tells Ahab, Arise to achieve their evil plot to kill Naboth and steal the vineyard. Okay? So Ahab arises to do evil. Second time. Verse 17. Okay? The second instance starts from verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel. So here God tells Elijah to arise to do God's work. So Elijah arises to do good, to do God's work. Loma Linda Church, this man sold himself to the devil, okay? And what he did was he would arise to do evil. But Elijah, the man of God, he would arise to do God's work. Are you listening to me? Two different reasons to arise. One arises to do evil and one arises to do good. Loma in the church, each morning when you wake up, when you arise, why do you wake up? Why, why do you arise? Every morning when you wake up, do you arise to do evil or to do good? When you wake up in the morning, is it always about just me getting more as much as I can because life is about more is better? Is that what we're doing? We get up, we go to work, make money, come back home because my life is not complicated. More is better. I'm trying to get more. Or do we wake up each and every morning because every day belongs to God? And each morning I arise to do His work. As long as we arise to pursue what I want and to gain for myself, we will be sullen and vexed. The best remedy is to hand over to God. Hand over to God. More is not better in life. It's a lie that the world throws at us. What did Ahab lack in his life? He was a king. He had everything. He was a man who had everything, and yet habitually he became sullen and vexed. Normal in the church, the lesson here is clear. This is what I've discovered from chapter 21 this week. 
We need to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. No, I'm kidding. We need to let it go and give all to God. Each and every morning, when we arise, we give that day to God. All that I have. I didn't even realize that when I was writing this sermon that this would go perfectly with the lesson study we learned this morning. Right? That's what being a stewardship of God means. Each day, my time, my energy, everything that I have, everything that I possess, everything belongs to God. I am not the owner of it, but He is. This inheritance of life that I have, it's not for my glory, but it's for His glory. I cannot just sell it to some king of Israel because it's not mine to sell. I'm not saying, Lomar in the church, do not work hard or pursue a great career. Okay? Work hard, do your best, pursue and be ambitious, just not for yourself, but for God. Don't squeeze so hard and close your hand, but open your hand and, if you need to, let it go for God. Hand it over to God, trust in Him, because at the end of the day, Loma in the church, that is what faith is. That is faith. Handing over to God and says, God, this is yours. God will determine how things will go and he will bless. In everything that you do, do it in his glory and honor. Loma in the church, let us arise each morning to do his will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much for the the message that we learned from Naboth. That my property, even my life, they do not belong to me, but they belong to you. Everything that I have, everything that I possess, Father, help us not to sell it to this world, but help us, Father, to keep it as my inheritance from you, using it for your glory and honor. We have all these young people, Father. We have all these people who work so hard. Our students, Father, they work so hard to get through school and their, their professional training. But Lord, each morning when they, when they arise to go to school and study and do whatever they do, Lord, help them that whatever they do, they do not do it for their own glory, but they do it for your glory. All the people, we, the people who work so hard and when they, whenever they go to work, every patient that they, that they treat, that they meet, Lord, help them to understand that every time and every patient and everything that they do, every ability that they have, they're all for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all rise for our offertory song.
Nations come. 